The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Welcome to Straight Talk, Clear Decisions with Rick Saylor and co-host Eric Hamburg. As an investor, you should know what you're buying and what you're really holding. We'll demystify investing and lay it all out for you in easy-to-understand terms. Now, here's Rick and Eric. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Well, I'm Rick. And I'm Eric. And we are your transparent wealth management hosts. Welcome to our show. Want a happy Friday to you, my friend? Happy Friday, Froggy Friday to you. And how are you feeling after the Rick Saylor Financial golf outing Wednesday when my team beat your team? Well, you know what? Beat everybody's team. We came in first. You came in first. We were the first ones done, and we were, we were uh, what, five under. And I'm thinking, nah, I don't think this is going to hold up. And then a couple teams start showing up, and we were beating them. And then you show up, your team, and it's... Nine under. I was like, well, nine under par. Now I know a little bit how well. the how the pros feel. <laughs> now you know I can't take credit for that. I mean, we had a good team. I did contribute, which is what I'm always looking to do in a scramble. I didn't see that coming. Our one client, Don, was just a. I think he's a nine handicap, a seven or nine handicap. So that guy was on fire. Yeah, he was down. His drives were long and down the middle. I had a few of those myself. Um, but, I mean, he was second shot almost every time we were on the green, consistently. We had one eagle, and then we had seven birdies, and we missed six other birdies. That's- so for those of you who are listening here are not golfers, a birdie is one under. My wife, Kim, does our events, and uh, she put together a fun event. It was called the Progressive-Regressive Game. So if you had a birdie, then you move back to the white tees, if you parred and you moved up to the gold, and if you bogeyed, you went to the red. You know, no pride. No. <laughs> Get your pride back. We were, we're never there. We were never there. But mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I've never been in a golf outing where I've had so many shots at birdie. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun. It was just a fun day. Great weather on our home course where I live yep. in Walden Ponds there in uh, Fairfield Township, Indian Springs, whatever they call it these days. <laughs> and it was just a great time and a fun time and Hopefully everybody that came out had a good time because I know we had Jim Breach yep. for the Bengals fans. He was a, he's a Hall of Famer with the Cincinnati Bengals Hall of Fame from the 80s when I was really following heart and soul and uh, was their kicker. And Jim's a great guy. He's a friend of ours. He came out and he supported our team. I know he put us into position for the eagle we got on 10, mm-hmm. put us on, and then uh, we'd all missed the, a number two, a par three. We'd all missed the green, and he put us on the edge of the green again and kept <laughs> us at par. He, uh, he's played some golf this year. He's a serious golfer. And I was, <laughs> I was happy to say that on 10, the one we eagled, we ended up using my drive instead of his because I outdrove him. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know, Jim, I outdrove you. And he goes, well, you want to match up on 18? I said, hey, come on now. Don't get all rowdy on me. <laughs> <laughs> give, give, me my, give me my time. Now, he's a good golfer. He's stepping in. And, oh, yeah. and it was just it was fun. 
Yeah, I think everybody had a great time. Yeah, and he took pictures, a promo shot with everybody, you know, a little PR thing with all the, the groups, and he's going to autograph those pictures when we get them back. And mm -hmm. so a nice gift for the, for the participants. That's right. And I have to throw this in. My wife, Kim, got a special award for the last place team in the group. Remember the what it was? The most honorary award. Uh, it was fishing poles. And she suggested they may want to take up another sport. <laughs> <laughs> so we had but fun the, with it. It was not a serious golf outing and by I'll, any means. It was, uh, it was fun. I think the winner of the fishing pole was couldn't have been a, a better group to get the fishing poles. <laughs> <laughs> good guys. Good guys. And you got... On number 13 was the, the straightest. Straightest drive. Straightest drive, which actually they'd put up a line right up the middle, and you yep. were out there 280 yards. Yeah, I hit it good. I didn't even know it was a straight drive. And, and I you were, what were you were off the line? Off the line, you were like three 10, feet, uh, 10 feet? About 10 feet off the line. That was, when I saw it, it, I said, that's either Eric or Ryan. <laughs> and I was happy to uh, be on the winning team because now I got bragging rights in the office here that's until right. the next outing. Until the next outing. Well, and Ryan, Ryan was talking closer. some some junk on me. Yeah, he was trash talking a little bit. He gets that leverage on it, a little tall, lanky. He gets that leverage on his side. He can crush it. Both of you guys can. So I'm just I'm in a different league, but um, hey, I got the. Hey, it doesn't uh, matter if you come I got the first. accolades. You know, I got a cool, you know, some cool little prizes there. Mm -hmm. Hat, don't wear it. <laughs> you know uh, what else did I get? I got shirt. a golf tool, and I don't think I got a shirt. No, okay. I wanted to wear my winning shirt today, but it uh, has not gone through the laundry yet. <laughs> I mean, I want to be a winner. I don't want to smell like one. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've had them, you know, we were talking about uh, it's kind of been a rough week in the market starting out. Rough two weeks. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a period here where volatility has certainly come back to the market and has been benign, you know, because a lot to do with the... Uh, you know, the stimulus has gone into the market. We are in unusual times. In mm -hmm. our opinion, it's kind of like the 1930s. You pump in that much stimulus and you're going to have some weird things happen. Yeah, we've had... Unnatural. A, that's right, unnatural. We've had a lot of, call them risk assets, which is really equity assets. So that's... Stocks. U.S. stocks, foreign stocks, emerging market stocks, just stocks in general, small caps. We really haven't seen a lot of um, volatility in the last four years. Yeah, we've seen some corrections. We haven't seen near... The 13-point correction we just witnessed in the last two weeks. Well, and the VIX, the VIX, which is the volatility, uh, volatility measure, is at an all-time high. It's, it's, it's just below what happened in 2008. But no. again, there's a lot more different context today than what happened in 2008. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, today, uh, the name of uh, today's show is Correction the Direction. Is that the new norm? Are we now going to correct the market? Are we are we headed? So we're going to talk about a lot of things here, and obviously these are our opinion. They're not. Don't take them as advice. Is anything on our show? Uh, you certainly should seek, you know, professional advice from uh, financial qualified financial legal tax professionals, real estate. Uh, sometimes during the show we make forward looking statements. Nobody has a crystal ball. Yep. You know, so we're not you know pretending like we could see the future because if we could, we certainly wouldn't here talking about it. That's right. You know, Rick Saylor Financial, we are separate and unrelated to our broker-dealer, National Planning Corporation. You know, we are a registered investment advisor. So these are our opinions and our opinions only. They're for education and um, enlightenment and hopefully entertaining to you. Should be an interesting show today. To so if you've, got, uh, if you've got a comment or you'd like to ask a, uh, a live question, call 866-472-5790. 
And most likely in the last segment of the show, we'll take live questions. If you're a little more shy, shoot that to us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, and we'll answer that on the air. And I know we have some questions, you know, that that generally get asked that uh, regardless we'll be addressing toward the last segment of the show. That's right. We've also seen on social media, I know the last two weeks, we've had a lot of activity pick up on our Facebook page and Twitter. So if you're on social media, you know, follow us on Twitter at Rick Tireman, R-I-K-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T. And if you're on Facebook or LinkedIn, um, we're under the name Rick Saylor Financial, R-I-K. So get out there, check us out, ask for everything. Our website is straighttalkcleardecisions.com. We've got a plethora of information out there from white papers, research reports, um, you know, anything from estate planning with uh, our partners, taxes, insurance, money management. All you got to do is ask for it, but get to our website, check us out. You can check out past shows. Exactly, past which shows. I was going to mention, you know, the whole summer series was on doing a comprehensive financial plan that was integrated and dynamic, which means it's integrated into all these other programs that we utilize for tools. And we've spent probably $11,000 at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a recurring fee for us. It's a $500 value uh, for you, and you can go in and do it absolutely free, and all you have to do is you shoot us a, uh, an email. Mm-hmm. Give us your email address at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, and then go listen to the past shows. If you got questions, we'll walk you through it. We want you to, to actually see where you're at, you know, uh, like a financial GPS, and that's ever so critical. You'll hear us refer that today on today's show. And it's absolutely free to you. Complimentary, we're not. There's no strings attached. We'd love to be part of the solution. And uh, we'll mention some of that today in terms of asset classes and what we think is, you know, what we view as functional or dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, one of the more functional things we've come to realize in our combined 40 years or so of financial planning and, and services and, and advice you know, is the holistic model that's end-to-end that we use. And we're, we're very, what do I want to say, maybe biased toward that. But, you know, I guess that's okay because it's very, it's highly effective mm-hmm. from what we can see. You know, when you look at, in our industry, there's always this ongoing debate. Should you be with a fee-based or a commission-based person? And our question is, why are we debating that? Why don't we just look at whatever the problem is and look at the solution and disclose it? Transparent wealth management. So we choose, Eric to be both, both fee or commissioned, just not on the same dollar at the same time. But you should know what you're paying, why you're paying, and what it's going to do for you. Yep. And the second piece of that pillar is tax planning. So we partner with uh, a couple CPAs here in our area um, that do both tax preparation and planning. Preparation is mandatory. Rick, that's what we all have to file some sort of return each year. The planning is what's optional, and that, that could be the difference of keeping – couple thousand bucks in your pocket at the end of the year paying it out. So um, our partners can go back, I believe it's three years, look at any past returns to see if there were any mistakes. And if there were, maybe amend it and change it. But if they can't, the big thing is make sure you don't step on that same landmine going forward if you can't avoid it. Right. I mean, it's just, it makes sense and, and work with competent people that are proactive because most of the industry, by the way, is not, in our opinion. We see them as very reactive. They've given you the you know, the damage report on Monday morning, using a football analogy, you know, your Monday morning quarterback, and well, here, sorry, this is the damage, and here's what you, it's kind of a plug and pay. So, uh, you know, I look at that from the risk standpoint of risk management and insurance, you know, only, only write checks for that, which you, or 
pay, buy insurance for that which you don't want to write a check for. So you constantly in the area of, uh, you know, life insurance and um, and long-term care type things, you know, if you're a baby boomer out there listening, you know, if you don't have that, you're asleep. You need to seriously look at it because, you know, when we look at the second greatest concern to baby boomers, I think from a poll last year with Gallup, 63% were concerned that they were going to have a a catastrophic illness they could not pay for. The number one was, am I going to outlive my money? It's 69%. So, you know, looking at those risks, having professionals, we don't do that, but we have partners that do it. You know, we call it an insurance audit. And uh, you look at the areas, do you need disability? You need Medicare planning. I mean, that's, there are so many choices under that thing. It gives me a headache. And we have a partner who does that. Um, so, I mean, looking at all those things and, and making sure you have the right coverages and you're paying a fair price. Mm-hmm. And the last piece, the last pillar is estate planning. So we work with both elder law and estate planning attorneys. They, um, you know, you, you've created your wealth. You've accumulated your assets. The last thing you want to do is see your, your, um, your wealth, your assets hit a brick wall. So by doing the correct estate planning today, you can ensure that your loved ones your charities, um, they're the ones who receive the majority of your wealth, not the hospitals, not the attorneys, and not probate court. So. And you want to make sure, again, with the financial plan, that you're in a place where you can do charitable giving. Mm-hmm. We talked about that, I think, last week was our guest uh, two hospice. Weeks, two weeks charitable ago. Giving. Two yep. weeks ago, yeah. Um, yeah, time flies when you're having fun. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, that, that aspect, you want to make sure you don't give away the farm, so to speak. You know, and again, put yourself in a position where you're outliving your money because you were, and, and I agree with that that commentary, you know, do your giving while you're living. That way you're knowing where it's going. You get to experience the, the benefits, but make sure you can mm-hmm. and make sure you're able. So, and, and this certainly in a down period in the market becomes a question, you know, it reminds me of an airplane ride where, you know, the oxygen mass drop. And uh, just like the market, and they say the first thing person you take care of is put your own oxygen mask on and then help those around you. So this is one of those cases. Now, the big swoon in the market, you know, we didn't react to that fear. Mm-hmm. And if you were getting our free e-newsletter, uh, the Rick's View, you would have seen that, that uh, we communicated that to our clients in a, on a number of ways. But... That's something you can get simply by asking for. It would give you an absolutely free subscription, and anytime you don't want it, click off of it. Yep. But we were communicating that. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, this is, we're looking at underlying fundamentals. We're going to tell you a little bit and, and open up, you know, behind the the, uh, the curtain of Oz here, so to speak, and and see behind some of what we're looking at and what we're tracking. But why don't we start with that first piece that you said, because I, or you found, because I thought that really kind of says, what a lot of people, I think, were feeling, mm-hmm. you know, you got a choice here. You're either going to make, it, uh, make your decisions on fear or facts. That's right. And when you look at, you know, what's happened, let's go back a couple of decades here. Let's start in the 1980s. U.S. stocks were up nearly 400% in the 1980s. But yet, Rick, anything that or all that anyone remembers is the crash in 1987. You know, bond gave investors a total return of more than 100% in the 1990s. Yet all anyone ever talks about is the 1994 crash when yield spiked. You know, emerging market stocks were up 185% in 1990s. Yet anybody, all they remember is the 1997 emerging market currency crisis. Um, And the last one here, since March of 2009, stocks are up over 200%. 
Instead of celebrating those gains, investors are constantly worried about missing that next five to ten percent correction. Uh, which we're not saying you can't. You, you're not supposed to be looking forward and you know take a prudent approach. But one correction doesn't dictate the next five or ten years of any market. No, and I think there's something to be said about how news is reported in our country, and maybe just among people that. You know, everyone's talk about the news reporters want to talk about uh, the plane crashes, not all the successful landings. Yep. And we're not buy and hold guys by any means, so don't confuse us with that group. Uh, but again, we're looking at a lot of data points, a lot of information that the average person doesn't see. I know last week I I heard on one of the major networks that some news reporter was saying, you know, it was a high there was high volume trading in the market, and we knew that absolutely wasn't true. Mm-hmm. There's too many things that point to this. This is one of the periods in the market when Wall Street is on vacation. It's the biggest vacation time in the year, which means the trading desks are empty. We also saw indications that it appeared because the markets were, were traded in odd lots and humans tend to trade in even lots when they're buying and selling stock, which looks like algorithms off a computer program. So it tripped through those computer programs and it started selling and it exacerbated the selling Mm-hmm. And we didn't think it was fundamentally um, supportable, you know, that when we looked at all the data points we were looking at that looked good, and we said, this isn't justified. That's right. Now, we we also have to say we've had six and a half years of a bull run, mm-hmm. which is one that's the third longest in history. We were due for a correction, and I'm going to let you go to that note before we get the break because I think that says it well. That's right. You know, in some ways, it's a good thing that these past uh, market crashes stay with us because what it does is it's possible for the sting from the previous losses can help investors' emotions from getting too far out of reach. So it's always remembering what can happen so you don't keep shooting for the stars and taking on more risk. But this line right here says it all, Rick. Crashes, corrections, drawdowns, losses, system resets, or whatever you want to call them – are a feature of the financial markets, not a sign that they are broken. And I'll use another analogy. Uh, you know, there's four seasons in the Midwest, typically. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I look at that, it would be a little unnatural for us to have 85 every day and 55 at night, mm-hmm. low humidity and sunshine every day. You know, it's it's a natural part of of the process, and it's actually healthy to see pullbacks. Yep, because the market does that. Now I said. You know, part of this looks like Wall Street, you know, uh, triggering this because I say they got to when a market's been seesawing, you have bull markets, which are rising, trending upward. You have bearish markets, which are considered by definition. A correction is a 10 percent drop. We certainly went into that territory. A bear market is defined as a 20 percent or more from a previous high. So we're certainly not in that, you know, area. And I'm not saying we, we will or we won't. But, you know, really the bottom line is that we've been in a seesaw market prior to this correction. We've seen volatility come back to the market, which I think is a natural and healthy thing. Mm-hmm. So in the next part of the show, the segment, we're going to get into some of the, the things you're hearing and simplifying that so you can understand what, what I want to say investment speak is. Mm-hmm. So you can make clear decisions about maybe with, with your set, obviously not advice, but uh, help you give you a little clearer picture of your picture. So uh, you're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense hosts, Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are, number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over 8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me. The premiums can never go up. And oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. So, Eric, we're on this topic of is correction the direction? Is it the new norm in the market? Or is this just a natural occurrence that we need to know how to navigate and live with? Mm-hmm. I think it's healthy. That's our opinion. It is. And if you go back, J.P. Morgan, has a, they, they publish a guide to the markets, and this was as of June 30th of uh, 2015. If you go back the last 35 years, despite having an average intra-year drop of 14.2%, annual returns were positive in 27 out of the last 35 years. So what do I mean by that? Well, for example, in... Um, Let's just say here in what was this 2012 when our market returned our S&P returned a little over 30%. There was a 6% drop at some point during that year. If you go back to 2011, the market returned on an annual basis 13%, yet there was a 10% correction in 2011. 2010, there was a 19% correction that year and the market ended up flat. So, these this 13-point correction that we just witnessed the last two weeks, for the most part, this is healthy. This is normal. This happens in all markets. You know, I could go all the way back to 2000 to 1985, where these, these returns were pretty good each year, but yet they still saw intra-year drops 
of on average 14.2%. So yeah, and they call them, you know, whatever we were talking about in the first segment, they call them pullbacks. They call them, and we know that people aren't averages, but again, you begin to create a pattern, which is also one of our feeds has given us a considerable number of chart updates. Um, you know, and, and it's one of the things that we track when we go all the way back to 1997, we look at the high yield versus the two-year swap spreads, credit swaps, which is, a, which is indicative of, of the market buying, um, essentially leveraging these. Mm-hmm. And it's indicative when the market is over leveraged, there's been too much money borrowed to create bubbles. Mm-hmm. And they show up on this chart and unfortunately can't really show it to you, but, um, you know, we're seeing that the high yield credit spreads are rising, but they're still relatively low, uh, you know, compared to periods of real economic distress. Mm-hmm. So actually, swap spreads are declining or at levels which are typically coincide with periods of economic tranquility. Now, no promises there, not forward looking, just again, this is cyclical analysis, they call it. So I'm going all the way back to 1997. We're actually below that period. Mm-hmm. So um, you look at these and compare it to that. Now, a couple others here that, um, which is maybe a little more pertinent in this market, are high yield energy credit spreads. Now, I look at this, and again, yeah, it's trending upward, but it's not really out of line. I look at 2003, and I look at uh, 1999, where these were. It's it's in line with that. Mm-hmm. We're still well below. 2001 and 2009 when those peaked. So again, that's why it's it's important to take this into perspective what just happened. So I look at uh, the corporate credit spreads again showing a very similar pattern to investment grade, you know, stocks, you know, they call this wall of worry that it's that it's rising up. Yeah, the the VIX that measures the 10-year ratio is backed off a bit, but it's still very high. And that's the volatility. It's almost as high as it was at the apex of the pigs crisis in 2011. And, of course, that is an acronym for Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece, and Spain. So when you're looking at the, the market is very fearful of a global economic and financial fallout, you know, and of a slowdown in the Chinese economy and collapsing energy prices. You know, there's a lot of bad news, according to this, that's already priced into the market. Now, having said that, I want to put this in perspective because a lot of what we saw and experienced, Eric, in this drop was blamed, you know, on China. Now, I got to say this. Again, we're perspective. We're no-nonsense guys. You know, we are six and a half years into this bull market, and it's the third largest, longest in history. But when I look at, you know, is it a bubble? Stocks in terms of a price-to-earnings ratio, the price of the stock to the earnings it spends off, it's really not, stocks are not overpriced or underpriced. They're somewhere about 16 times earnings. So it's not, it's not way out of line. They're not on sale according to that, and they're not overpriced. But China, for example, as the world's number two economy, represents 15% of the world's GDP. I think what's their, their total output? Four, five, six trillion? Yep. We're like six. 15, 16 trillion. So again, their economy is not bigger than ours. They're not bigger consumers. And they're only 2.3% of America's GDP. So I mean, let's let's put it in perspective. So did it warrant, I would say it was almost like the, the tail wagging the dog. I mean, we're using that as an excuse. I think the other thing that couples with that are that oil is very volatile. And oil, you know, commodities in general, 
However, when you see prices falling, a traditional fall may indicate deflation that, you know, these they're collapsing. However, this time is different. This one, Eric, is coming from the massive production of the frackers, right? Fracking oil, yep. fracking natural gas. We're at close to 100-year high levels. We've never had this much oil. The world's never had this much. Iran, and it looks like that deal's going to go through in some shape or form, whether we like it or not. And Iran's going to start pumping into an oil glut. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're probably asking yourself, why isn't gas $1.50 a gallon? Well, the, you know, the industry does a masterful job. That's right. <laughs> I thought it was pretty in, uh, interesting. What was it two weeks ago before I went down to Alabama for that funeral? I left and gas was two twenty, and I think it was like forty three bucks a barrel. I got back on Sunday, at least here in the mid uh, Midwest, in Ohio, you know, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois. BP, which is actually the largest oil rig in the U.S., they had some issue and they had to shut down their um, their they're rigged, so they couldn't produce any oil. So if you lived anywhere from Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, we saw actually probably a 50-cent 50, 50 increase in our gas during that week. And it still hasn't come down yet. It's still starting to fall. But it's we rely heavily on that, that oil well, and that oil well fell. So it's just looking at oil. This is not a demand issue in oil right now, this correction we're seeing. Like Rick just said, this is a supply issue. We've got well, a and lot coupled of with you have you do have slack consumption, and again, we'll, I'll make a statement again, as you've heard me say before. When the biggest economy, single economy—well, I can't say that the European economy, European economic unit is the largest economy. You know that coalition, however dysfunctional or functional it is. But when you look at a country, we are the biggest country as a consumer market, and the single largest GDP to the contribution of the world GDP. So, as we go so goes the tide mm-hmm. of the market. Now, the other markets can say, hey, yeah, we're decoupled. I'm going to say, I don't think so. When I look at the period of time that coincided with the baby boomers turning 46 years of age, we saw the largest rise in the stock market in the history of the market in the richest country in the world, in the history of the world. So as you have more 46-year-olds, you're going to have more economic activity here, which is the building and buying of houses and the building and buying cars because they drive more jobs mm-hmm. and spending and consumptive. Uh, last check, I think it was 70.5% of our GDP is driven off of consumptive spending. Now, the reselling of houses, economic activity, but not like the building and buying. Correct. So following to the completion of that narrative, the more 46-year-olds we have, the more economic activity and the higher the tide goes, countries have to export here. We, we'll be exporting in the next cycle energy to a world as a rising tide because all the boats go up. Mm-hmm. Now, what's missing from the equation, Eric? 48-year-olds or 46-year-olds. Your generation, right? Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're still going down for the next five years. Now, somewhere about 2020, you bottom out. You go two years across on the birth rate, and then come year 2022, we start seeing your generation, 80 million, mm-hmm. not quite as steep or sharp, not quite as long, but we see 80 million millennials turning 46. Do I think that's a game changer? I do. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. We know we're one of the few countries. Maybe just, or maybe it's just a coincidence. It could be. You know, we are we are one of the few countries that has an echo boom, meaning we've got another generation of massive, you know, of the masses coming. 
the problem is we're just in this trough right now. We're in this lag where we don't have the big consumer spending right now. Can government We don't print? have the drivers. Now, we look at a lot of indications, and we hear this from our market, one of our market feeds, and there's probably, I don't know, seven, ten different sources we're getting stuff from, at least, that we continually rely on. But I look at things people were asking about, what well, you know, is the market, how is it, you know, based on history? We are right in a quarter of the charts since 1950, and uh, from Bloomberg, we are right in a, basically, the channel Mm-hmm. of where the market, the S&P's been um, over, since 1950. Yep. You, know, you know, granted, we may... We're, we're, not, might, we're not above that. We're not below it. Nope. Certainly not like it was in the 90s. And again, that was peaking and credit was expanding. Now, the other thing we hear a lot about, you know, the, the biggest indication of fear in the market is gold and the price of gold. You know what? That's not out of line either. No, especially the last two weeks. If you watch the price of gold, yes, it went up a little bit, but the fear was not in the market. Investors buy gold when they're scared or they're fearful. Gold did not rocket last week when those when our markets fell. These so, are blips. So it's it's so again, again it's, these are these are things that are symptoms, or should I say signals possibly of really where things are at. When I look at the last chart here from our feed, uh, we're looking at commodity prices and now they're trending down. But again, it's not it's not really doesn't look like a collapse to us. You know, this is um, it's certainly within the reasonable. You know, and actually, we're we're really high in commodities. Mm-hmm. The prices probably do need to correct. Just like when we look at supply and demand in the market, you know, there's a given number of buyers or users to a finite amount of supply, whether it be oil or whatever it is. Well, if we have excess capacity, which means we've got a lot of supply, and we have slack demand because we're still on a little bit of an overhang from the last bubble. Mm-hmm. So we haven't quite gotten down to an efficient level where those two are more even. But you also got a, a list of some things that are kind of supportive of our narrative here. It is. And if you look at what happened the last two weeks, you know, depending on who you listen to or who you read, a lot of those people believe we could be in for a, a, a short-term bottom soon. You know, if you look at a couple of the, we call them the major factors, that contributed to this last two weeks, this decline. Here's, you know, four of them that we believe contributed to it. And there's, you know, we'll also show you some examples of what we need to start see stabilizing or bottoming. So number one is China. Number two is the Federal Reserve. Number three is oil. And number four is our dollar. So what did China, what did, what happened in the Chinese market the last two weeks? Well, in reality, Rick, we've been talking about China for two, three years now. There was nothing materially, um, negative that came out in the Chinese market besides the Chinese government devaluing their yuan. I think it dropped. They devalued it by 2%. And I think the concern was valid, you know, that they're in a bubble. Although all you heard in the general narrative, which unfortunately is not accurate, is, you know, how bad their real estate bubble was. Well, actually, they weren't as leveraged as we were in the American market. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more because there weren't a lot of options for places to invest. So people put a lot of their principal capital into the in the, in the leverage points. The loans weren't that high. And then you hear about the stock market. Well, yeah, they had their their bubble because they opened their markets and little became a little more freer. Well, the markets ran out of the by nature. We saw the capital move out of the real estate, which was a bubble, yep. and we saw it and go into stocks. I mean, and then we saw their correction was at a sixty percent correction or so in June. Mm-hmm. 
It was a 30% in June. 30% in June. So we saw it shoot up 60%. So again, certainly those are indicative, but you know, do we see that there is a, you know, that there's some, there's certainly headwinds in the market, but these aren't the types of things when we look at all the data points that the market shrugs off as in we see core inflation, which is minus food and fuel, firming up. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see signs of that. You mentioned that, you know, our six checkpoint lists that we're looking to deploy money on personally and for our clients, that there's some things we want to see where there's a bottom where we're tracking. We have indicators that track commodities, oil, and junk bonds because those appear to us, according to our feeds, to be leading indicators now. Mm-hmm. A couple of, you know, like I just mentioned, China, the Chinese needs to stabilize. Their government needs to portray confidence in the market that they actually know what they're doing and so they can stabilize that. You looked at the Fed. Again, we'll talk about that later in the show. But our federal government here trying to raise interest rates in a volatile economic environment. You've got oil needs to... Now, let me mention the comment on that one. Really, 10 years. We're, we're running over 10 years now is essentially zero interest. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about why that's important in the next segment. Yep. And you look at, you know, we mentioned at the very beginning of our show... The trading desks on Wall Street, it's not that nobody was at the trading desk, but a lot of people go on vacation. Those traders take vacations just like everybody else. And right they, now they are human, contrary they, to popular belief. So they were there, but there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of trading going on. And you add little volume to a crazy environment, you're gonna let the day traders and you're gonna let these algorithms, these computer generated trades, dominate a market. How long how long did we hear the commentary? All the way from four, five, six months ago? that we kept seeing light trading and low volume and little conviction. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a dollar for every time we read that in our narrative. <laughs> and that's from inside the market. I mean, these are, these are people that uh, we you know, pay for the feeds, but it's quite expensive. And we're really trying to help enlighten you, not as advice, but just to give you really, I'm not going to say the all clear sign mm-hmm. um, is, is there, because we've not deployed a model per se in mass across you know, our cash position since, what, five months ago? Yeah. Because the signals weren't there. We don't want to buy. And, and we were we were looking. We had a short list, a shopping list of what we were buying when the market dropped. And we tried to get there. I'm going to tell you, no, that's not a game that you want to try to play. There are brokers or their entire, um, I want to say, firms who are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on high-speed lines to get a milla, a nanosecond on you ahead of the trade. And you can't compete on that. Now, you can buy trends, Mm -hmm. but we saw some of our positions. We saw them before the market. We saw them drop, and by the time we got in there... They're gone. (laughs) They were gone. (laughs) You know, because they... It's like, let's scare the kids off the bus so we create some room. And if you think about this narrative, it makes sense. So if the market's trading sideways, would it not stand to reason... That if you had some control over the market, would you not run it down to scare people off so that you create a return space? So if you drop it 10% and then you're buying into that at near the bottom and then it goes right back up. To where it started. You, you created a 10% return for yourself or your clients. That's right. You know, this volatility, there are opportunities that exist within this volatility. But typically the only people that um, – the only people that part- participate in these in these opportunities are people that have a plan prior to a correction or prior to a crisis. 
if you don't have any plan and a crisis happens, you let the emotions get the best of you, you might sell something or you might just buy something. You need to plan in place before this happens. So when that crisis occurs, it's going to occur again. You're ready. You're be ready prepared, for it. Right? You can be prepared. The old right. Boy Scout. Well, in the next part of the show, Eric, we've talked a lot about equities and stocks. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the Fed and the possible impact on cash and bond positions uh, as a whole. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your Straight Talk host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over 8000 the three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me. The premiums can never go up. And, oh, yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate, and without, well, don't worry about it, the government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it the joy it brings straight talk through decisions radio show with your straight talk host rick sailor and eric hamburg eric you know we're on this topic today is is a correction the direction of the market well, you know, we've talked about a lot about equities. We've talked about having a game plan, which, by the way, if you don't have a, uh, a financial GPS or, i.e., a financial plan that you have either done or updated, you certainly need to be working with programs that are integrated and dynamic, which means it gives you a live feed into your program and you can check it. Not that you're going to watch it every day, but you need to know in advance if you're off course. Yep. So go back in our summer series. It's absolutely complimentary to you, no cost to you. We've paid 
we pay ongoing fees is over $11,000 for the components in our plans to make sure that our clients that we're reading and using the best technology to make sure they're on track. And this is one of those periods or those places and times where, you know, God bless you if you're a do-it-yourselfer. I think it can be pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Can't uh, You know, the average person can't really afford justify paying all that money for those kind of programs. Um, and I don't, even though hope is a good thing, we don't think it's a good plan. That's right. And this is one of those elements where you look at working with a financial professional who has a holistic approach. You know, it's, it's more important. The true total cost is what's it, what'd you do when the market went down? And when you see periods, I'm not saying we're not going to see 1987, 2001, 2008 again, because you know, those were very disturbing periods intestinally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know too many people that could have the intestinal fortitude to, to hold through that. But I think this is one of these things is what does it cost you and what do you get paid? So I think this is a great time where if you're with a competent financial advisor, if not, get a second opinion from us. And our free offer, by the way, again, complimentary to you, is going to be a risk-reward analysis. So, of course, there's some participation on your part to uh, you send that to us. We'll absolutely we'll analyze. That's a $500 value. Yep. We will do that. No strings attached. We want you to see what's broken. So, um, again, take advantage of that. Uh, you know, we, we would love to give that away to you. And uh, we will do so. All you got to do is contact us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. You can call us 24-7 at 513-454-9999. If you have a question for today's show, 866-472-5790. So, Eric, we've talked about stocks. How about bonds? And we keep hearing this, and you and I hear this ad nauseum, that uh, is is the Fed going to hike rates, and why is that important? Well, the backdrop, let me set a little ground before you make your comment. We've been over 10 years at zero interest. Mm -hmm. The Fed has not been able to, quote, unquote, lift off. They're afraid to do one interest rate increase, even a quarter a point. So essentially we're at 0.25 and below that. You see that if you're in the banks. It's also distorted the bond market. But when we look at the Fed, you know, they're concerned. They understand if they move too soon or they move by too much or too often, they could throw our economy into a recession. Yep. And why is that important, specifically the bonds right now? Well, first off, let me just tell you when the Fed, how the bond wor- operates within the, how a bond that an investor buys operates within the federal government's requirements. So, when the Fed, when the Fed lowers interest rates, which we saw from basically 2000 to 2009, the capital of those, the the yields went down, but the capital went up in value. So, bond investors made a lot of money. I think I at one point saw an average return of right around nine percent. For a bond per year in the nineties, in the nineties, and, and and what and we the, call the efficient frontier mm-hmm. charts out risk and reward at the yield curve actually or the risk reward curve inverted. It, you took where you took less risk in bonds again, mm-hmm. you made more return. Correct, and that's why, and that's because bonds do well in a in a either flat or a falling interest rate environment. Well, now we're not talking about lowering interest rates today. The Fed's talking about increasing interest rates. Well, when they start increasing interest rates, those new yields, yeah, they'll be higher yield, but then the capital is going to start losing its value. Well, the price of the bond actually drops. Correct. The price of the now, bond now drops. Now, if you're holding an actual bond, 
if you hold it to maturity and the entity is is viable, mm-hmm. you know, they're not a junk bond or something where they're going to go into default, you will get your money back. Now, that's very different than bond funds. Correct. So think of, so if you were to go buy a 10-year treasury today, I think the 10-year treasury yield is right around 2.11%. Your yield, it's not going to fall as long as the government is intact. You're going to guarantee yourself 2.11% as long as the U.S. government is here for the next 10 years. The problem, though, is let's say you buy that 10-year today, and two years from now, that same 10-year bond is now paying 4%. Well, if you go to sell your current holding, you're going to sell it uh, probably more than likely a lot less than what you paid for it. So your risk-reward, your trade-off is not going to benefit you. So when interest rates start rising, like Rick just mentioned, if you hold that actual corporate bond to maturity, there shouldn't be a lot of volatility or risk to you. But if you own bond funds, which is the big problem, a lot of investors today own bond funds. funds. So so think of it like a teeter-totter. You know, you remember that up and down, the farther you are out on the teeter-totter, the more whipsawed you get. And that's how a bond fund tends to act, Mm -hmm. as opposed to when you actually hold the bond, you're closer to the middle where there's very little movement. Correct. So it's, you know, the Fed's trying to talk about raising interest rates at the same time the rest of the world is trying to ease and continuing to ease their economy. Right. So we look at Europe. They're on a quantitative easing train, which will not come to the station at least until September 2016. Now, if they start to see firming indications of of inflation, you know, they may curtail it just like we did over here. We saw last year we came off of our – we were printing at one point, and it's, it's just interesting to reflect backwards. The Fed at one point was printing, the Treasury was printing $85 billion a month that they were buying of our own debt, propping up our bond market. Now, we came off of that, and we are now running on fundamentals, and we're seeing you know, housing starts and sales, existing sales were both up. Mm-hmm. We saw the uh, Purchase Managers Index good in Japan, in Europe, in Germany. It actually just blew away the expectations. You know, the U.S. was a little soft, but that's to be expected because when you have a stronger economy, if your currency is stronger against other currencies, and let's say we're stronger by 10%, that means whatever that other entity, that country is, they have a 10% advantage on us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a weaker currency by design. So we were exporting. So, of course, we're going to have weaker sales globally because our goods and services aren't as cheap. Yep. So... That's an ongoing occurrence. But, Eric, let's talk a little bit. We use a, a group you can check out online, the CMEgroup.com, and they do a FedWatch indication. Now, you know, we're right now sitting at 0.25, and this changes daily. So as that's much, what the Fed funds rate is. That's what the Fed funds rate is. So if you look at the probability of what these guys that are watching this Right now, I just looked at it this morning, and they're at a 27.86. So let's just call it 28% chance. That's less than 30 that they believe the Fed is going to hike in September. Mm-hmm. Now, the other narratives we've heard is that, and the Fed speak goes back and forth ad nauseum. You got a great story to tell about the analogy on a plane. Tell that story. I, I love that. Yeah, we all love transparency. Transparency, don't get us wrong. But Think of it this way. You jump on a plane, you're going from, I'll say from where we live in Ohio, from Ohio to California. The pilot gets on the intercom right, right after the door shut and says, sit back, relax. I'm going to get you to California in three hours and 30 minutes. He gets off the intercom. You don't hear from him again until they, you make your descent into that city, wherever you're going. But what if your plane ride was a little more transparent? 
transparent and he left his mic on. He started talking about, oh, here's some turbulence and, you know, we may be having a bad indicator out here on the left motor. Yep. You also saw this oil light go on. You know, those things, if you want to believe them or not, they do happen. Not every single flight, those, those warnings go off and you would need those warnings to go off so they can correct it before something major happens. But do I really need to know that? You don't. Is that TMI? That's too much information. And that's, <laughs> that's what the, the pilot does, though. The reason he says it at the beginning is he's giving you his confidence that, hey, he's going to get you from point A to point B. He's going to get you to landing there. You don't need to know all the little noise that goes on. Now, I probably don't want to, but you relay that to what the Fed's going on right now. We hear, I used to know this number, the Fed used to make only like two or three Fed announcements per year, I think like 15 years ago. I swear to you now, it seems like the Fed, there's probably four or five a, a week. week. So it's not that we don't like their information, don't get us wrong, but when you've got all these Fed speakers going both all different directions, it's giving us the uncertainty was, you know, we, we thought we felt good about this economy, but maybe I shouldn't feel as confident as I do because the Fed, they won't make it. They're, they're, they're in a over-management mode. Mm -hmm. There is such a thing as over-management, and I think we're in that kind of mode, and I understand you know, we look at this market, this is like the 1930s on stimulus. That's really what we're still in. We're coming out of a slow, you know, a declining period going into a slow growth period. So, yeah, it's going to be a little shaky, again, in our opinion, until we see. So you could be looking. We get this question a lot. Well, Rick, Eric, how long is this going to go on, in your opinion? In our opinion, until we see more 46-year-olds, peak consumptive spenders, and the American consumer market come back mm -hmm. that's going to drive jobs and, and creation and tax revenue and everything else, we're not going to see a, a significant upswing. Now, what if you're in retirement? Well, you better be looking for durable income. Mm -hmm. You may want to catch our, our program here on the 15th and the 17th, bond alternatives and durable income. And if you email us, we will give you a link to that. You can visit us. You can come to our office if you sign up and get in. Seating's limited for that. Uh, at the times and dates, but um, it's on Tuesday, Thursday that week, the 15th and 17th, and we've got four, well, there's going to be four speakers on the topics, Correct. talking about durable income and something that's an alternative bond, because I will be very clear here, an interest rate increase will not be good to the bond market. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be good. Correct. Because when the interest rates go up, the bond market yields fall. Correct. And if you're not in this, if you're not in Cincinnati, Ohio, we are, like Rick mentioned, we're offering a WebEx. So you got to shoot us an email, info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, and we'll send you the login information so you can see and hear the, the material that's being presented. And we're all, we're big on education. Yep. I think that's, uh, again, you're going to hear it straight. You may not like always what you hear, but we're going to give it to you straight because we tend to work with people that we feel that are adult in nature. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to, uh, who was that Jack Nichols said, you got to be able to handle the truth and you can't handle the truth. <laughs> and if you can't, Hey, we understand that. But if you can, Hey, drop in, visit us. And hopefully with the, uh, what you may see there, it may help you make a clearer decision about your circumstance and, uh, your financial future, your wealth. Yeah. Cause you know, our job is to point out what could potentially happen in the future? Our job isn't to here to say, hey, you're in, you're in a perfect situation and us knowing there are potential conflicts going ahead. We're here to point them out and to see, you know, can this really happen? What is, what's the probability of this happening? So, Rick, make sure they don't um, miss the our free, free offer. The free offer this week is a risk-reward 
analysis. Absolutely complimentary to you. And um, you can contact us at info at Straight Talk Clear Decisions. You can get on the web at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Call us 24-7-513-454-9999. Just request the risk-reward analysis. We'll follow up with what you need to do. Well, it's been a great show, Eric. It has been. You know, is correction the direction? We will find out. I think it's part of nature, but I don't think we're on a downward trend. Mm -hmm. But stay tuned. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your straight talk, holistic, no-nonsense management wealth, Rick Saylor. And Eric Camberg. your life.